0: Hosts, Patrick Harriet, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of non-stop sports starts right now. And good morning, Colombian! welcome to another edition of the Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Harrion. and alongside me is Michael Imami and Logan Franz. And we're going to get right into what we're going to talk about first, and that is the National League Championship Series and the American League Championship Series. If you don't know, October... One of the greatest months for all of sports. you got college football, hockey starting up, basketball in the near future, football, playoff, baseball. What more could you want?
1: Spooky season. No. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: Everybody's the, on edge.
0: It's one of the best months
2: of sports for, for the entire year. Everything's in full swing.
1: Right. right. Yep. I just made it, said a combination of the two words. It's, it's amazing. I, I was talking to my dad about this uh, a couple days ago. I said... Baseball's in the postseason. NFL's in full swing. Um, hockey's going on. NBA is going to be starting up very, very shortly in full swing. It's just awesome. Just everything going on. It's amazing.
0: There's, there's never something not going on. Right. It's a busy something.
1: month for sports.
2: Everyone looks forward to the fall for various reasons. I look forward to it because we got more sports, more things to talk about. It's a lot of fun. Some now,
1: nicer weather, man. It's not that's
2: 105 degrees outside. Today. Nicer is debatable.
0: To the uh, station this morning. Well, this there's raining. also this
2: weird cold front that's coming in from the west, and I don't know where it came from, and I don't know where Montana. it should go, but it should be like here. A, was like
1: it was like 90 of? on Sunday and 65 on Monday. What's that all about? It was 40 this morning.
2: <laughs> it was 40 this morning. I it's chose October. not to bring
1: an umbrella, and I went out with a sweatshirt, and I wish I brought the umbrella. That's an L. It is. Now,
0: before we get started on the American League Championship Series, we're all going to take a brief moment of silence. For the Tampa Bay Rays. Rest in peace.
2: Thank you. Gumb enough for them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Astros, Yankees. Looks like it's going to be a good series. They've played each other in the past. I like the Astros a lot. That rotation is just so good. Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Zach Grinke. There is no better rotation in the game
1: right now. Right, and I don't want to put down the Yankees at all, and I, I give them a lot of credit for being where they are. I wrote a column about this where I made a, a determination as to whether or not it was you know the Yankees just being awesome and then beating on the Twins or the Twins just underperforming, and I really think it was the, a lot of the case of it was the Twins underperforming. I know the Yankees swept, and I think to sweep in the playoffs is is a, is a huge deal, no doubt about it, but. I definitely think that people shouldn't just look at that 3-0 sweep versus the Twins and say the Yankees are, are clear-cut, a great team, and better than the Astros. I think that you, know, you can't undermine that rotation that Houston has, and I also think you have to look at that hitting, Bregman. you know, All the guys that they have on that team are just you know are going to bring a lot of firepower. I think that this could go seven.
0: I want to take this time to say I was right about that Yankee series, and it makes me feel so good to be right because I predicted – Two of the four divisional series outcomes. I had the Astros advancing and I had the Yankees advancing. Now my National League Championship Series is not my ideal one, but I know other than the Cardinals advancing, I like the Nationals. But that's for a later topic. The Astros are really good hitters, like you said, Michael. Yeah, Bregman, you're gonna have Altuve, Correa, Springer. Those are just a few of the names on that team. Right. But if you're gonna look at depth in the hitting in hitting and fielding, it's the Yankees. All day. I mean We have so many players on that team that will start at our backups.
1: I mean, we've kind of seen that all year, right? Like we've seen Judge miss time, we've seen Stanton miss time, and the Yankees are out here winning dozens of games throughout the season. And we were kind of laughing about that over the summer because they're like, you know, we we thought these key names would just be on the, you know, the IL, and then it was like, okay, you know, what's going to happen next is this going to be a roster move they're going to have to make are they going to have to bench guys they're going to have to wait out the end of the season and they just kept winning all these games and lo and behold they're a hundred plus win team and now it's like you know what these guys are also really good and, and you know being fans of injury plague teams around the nation uh it's a little bit unfair i mean how lucky they've gotten but i think that they've managed their team so well in the farm system that they're able to bring up new guys and they're just able to be great in terms of the depth and hitting
2: Am I crazy for thinking that the winner of the series will win the World Series? No. I really don't don't see either of these teams in the NLCS as stronger than the Yankees or the Astros. I think this will essentially be our World Series, is the ALCS.
0: I mean, when I made my bracket before the playoffs started, I originally picked the Astros and Braves in the World Series and the Astros winning. I, I agree with you. I don't see a team in the National League that can beat the Astros or Yankees.
2: I think potentially there was one but we all know what happened to them.
1: It was a safe bet to pick the Yankees and Astros anyway. I don't want to put you down here, but I think my pick in the NLCS was more bold, largely because of the backlash that I got from it. But I will say, and I will give you credit for this, I think that you were right when you said that Tampa Bay was going to provide a whole lot of oomph and and traction and problems for the Astros, and you said it could go five games. I said that they would sweep. And largely because I think that I didn't give Tampa Bay enough credit, and how about Tropicana Field? Like that atmosphere was insane. I, I didn't think that that field could get that nuts in a playoff game because I've put down their fan base a lot on this show And what I was fan. Base? Right. <laughs> uh, we've put them down a lot. And I think they deserve some credit for showing up. the you know, stadium was packed, they had the cowbells going, it was nuts. But I want to say, I want to give you credit for that, because they put on one heck of a fight, and I think that Verlander is not invincible. He's not unbreakable. They've been able to beat him before. And I think that, Logan, you're right. I think that whoever wins this ALCS is going to eventually win the World Series. I don't see anybody in the NLCS being a serious threat to anybody in the American League. I see it the opposite way.
0: Now, you can always say these teams look great on paper. And a great example of that argument would have been in the Dodgers. That team was like the perfect lineup all around, minus their little bullpen question marks. And they still lost.
1: I mean, I did say Nationals in five, and I don't want to flex that too much because I did say <laughs> and I
0: flexed already, so. Right.
1: But I did say Nationals in five, and the reason why I, did, I said Nationals in five, and I want to provide some context for this because if I just said Nationals in five from my heart, that'd be ridiculous because that meant that I just got lucky. The reason why I said Nationals in five is because when you compare the Dodgers and the Nationals' rotations— I really don't think they're all that different. Scherzer, Corbin, Strasburg, I think those guys get put down a lot, largely because they're on a 93-win team. Okay, when you're on a 100-plus-win team like the Dodgers are, you're going to be really, really, really looked at heavily. And I also think that the Nationals' offense, there's something to be said about that. We can't just keep looking at the bullpen of the Nationals and say that they're bad, and therefore the Nationals don't have a chance. You have to have a good bullpen to be great in baseball, but that's not the only thing that you need. You need good starting pitching and a great offense. The Nationals have both of those things, and a little bit of devil magic too.
2: If we're all flexing here, I picked the Astros in five and the Cardinals in five, so between the three of us, we ended up picking all four playoff series correctly Just by someone. Just just one person
0: didn't get them all right.
2: Yeah, but as a show, we picked them all correctly.
0: Now, Zach Britton and Arouldis Chapman are going to be available for the Yankees after some injury, little little brief little injury news. Chapman hurt his hand celebrating, which I find kind of funny, and Britton hurt his ankle pitching. So... The Yankees bullpen will be 100%. And that is, is something to be taken note of. That's a scary bullpen.
1: I think the Yankees and the Cardinals have the upper hands and the bullpens in this series. And I'm, I, I think it's interesting because we're going to see how that plays out because I think that it's <laughs> – right, we have two teams that have the dominant starters and then we have on the same side the two teams with the best bullpen. There's never a great starting rotation and a great bullpen. That just They don't really have that. The Yankees starters are okay. They're pretty good. They're not great. And the bullpen on the Yankees is fantastic. Although you can make a case for James Paxton returning to his, his old self. Um, I like the Yankees – uh, bullpen a lot. I think they got some serious flamethrowers in there. I think that's going to throw the Astros off a lot. But I also think that they need to be on. We, right. We've seen guys in the Yankees, Betances, you know, a couple years ago, who we all thought would be dominant in the postseason, and then he couldn't get his location right. Is how is the consistency of these guys? That's the question that should be asked of both the Cardinals and the Yankees because the issue is going to be we all know that the starters on each team are, are household names household names they can be inconsistent but i am worried about the bullpen because you never know you really don't these guys don't pitch every day they're not you know they're kind of thrown in there so it's just i don't know man i i feel i feel uneasy about all of it i don't want to be too reliant but so like before
0: it. before we move to the nlcs around the table of predictions astros and seven is mine that seven get game seven will probably be a toss-up if anything because We've had so many elimination games where you think one team's going to win and then the other team fights back, like in the case of the Nationals. So Astros in seven, it's always a safe pick to go seven games if you're not too confident in either team. That's my
1: prediction. Um, I'm going to say Yankees in seven. Um, (laughs) I think that, well, just because I think that, right, I talked about how the bullpen can be inconsistent but the thing that i acknowledged earlier was is the high powered offense and the rays kind of had an interesting offense and we saw how that matched up versus verlander. The cardinals don't have a hugely high powered offense of course if you look at game 5 of that series you could make a case otherwise but other than that in the series it didn't look like it. So i'd say that the yankees have a consistently high powered offense and i think that their bullpen if consistent is going to provide that upper hand regardless of how the starters do and i think verlander has showed that he's not invincible and there are not unbreakable and fallible, and there are ways in which to beat the Astros. So I think the Yankees could go with this in seven.
2: I find it hard to believe this game doesn't go seven. I feel like these two teams are so evenly matched that regardless of who the winner is, it's going seven. But I'm going to stick with my original World Series pick. I'm taking Astros in seven.
0: All right. The National League Championship Series starts today between the Nationals and the Cardinals. Yes, it does. And I'm going to start out and say, I'm really happy to be wrong about the Nationals. I was happy to see them win. Now, it, it kind of screwed up my my uh, prediction, but I can't find a reason to not like the Nationals. And I don't think anyone can find a reason to not like the
1: the Nationals. It's just flat out crazy. Everything that this team has been through, 19 and 31, at the beginning of the season, I was tweeting about this team, and I was tweeting about how they shouldn't sell About how they're, you know, they have so much already. They have so many good people. Howie Kendrick's been off on a tear uh, when they picked up Gerardo Parra, by the way, who also hit a Grand Slam earlier in the season. That's cursed, by the way. Grand Slams at Dodger Stadium is cursed. Um, The thing is that I find funny with the Nationals is like everybody doesn't look at them. And then there's just this one guy on that team that nobody expects. It's not Rendon. It's not necessarily Soto, although they did have a huge. Game five, I will say. They contributed to tie the game. But it's always like the no-name guy that ends up winning it, which I think is hilarious because it's not the guys that you think. It never is. It's just there's always like a, a, a guy that, that had been recycled out of the league and is coming back that ends up doing something huge. It's crazy. It's crazy.
0: But that, that Nationals rotation, though. Max I mean, Scherzer,
1: Patrick Corbin. Steven Strasburg. If we want to talk about the pitching staff, I mean, it's just you could make a case that I mean, I, I think that the Astros have the upper hand in, out of anybody, but the Nationals, the Nationals kind of is matched. like number two, right? I mean, you could. Ma- I mean, if we look at Astros Nationals in the World Series, right? Look at think about that for a second, okay? Scherzer, Verlander, okay? Garrett Cole, Corbin. All right, that that to me, I think, is goes in favor, swings in favor of the Astros. But I think it's it's tightly matched up. I don't think it's by a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Nationals end up getting the upper hand in the series because of that starting rotation. Although I have had my funny thoughts on Andrew Miller on the Cardinals. I know a lot so there are some of us in here that think he's a little bit inconsistent, although he's shown that he's capable of greatness still, even though he's of old age. I like him a lot. But I think that the national starting rotation is going to do big things in this series as well. But I think the hitting is going to be the focal point.
2: See, I, the, think, I think the on. Cardinals rotation is also very good. I think you guys are underselling that a little bit with um, Wainwright and Flaherty. They've I, got I, a, I'd
0: say Flaherty is in the ace of that team, which for, is not much of a they've, take,
2: they've, Yeah, they've got a great rotation there too. It's just I feel like you guys might be underselling that a little bit. I don't, also, know, if, I don't know about that. The fielding on this team is one of the better ones in the league.
1: Defensively, yes. I want to talk about the Cardinals rotation because I feel like they're underrated in a way, but I also feel like we're looking at them as if like they're a shade of greatness, like we're looking at Scherzer, Corbin, Strasburg on the Nationals. Flaherty, Mikolas, say what you want about those guys. I like them a lot. I've seen them perform very, very well over the season. I still think they're about two to three years away from becoming like the full-fledged starting rotation that I think we, we know and love in baseball. And the reason why I think that is is because A, these guys are kind of finding their way around the league. They're still young. I like Dakota Hudson a lot. I think that Flaherty reminds me of Scherzer in funny ways because of his uh, windup, but I think Flaherty is capable of being a Cy Young candidate, but I think we still they're still in that young phase, right? They're still in that, their second or third year. It's going to take a little bit more time for them to really develop and find their stride in this league, and that's where I think the Nationals have the upper hand here.
0: The Nationals definitely do have that veteran presence. Right. With three of their guys playing for a long time, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. I'm going to say those names a lot, and those are names you're going to want to keep a close eye on because if the Nationals want to win this series— they need deep starts from their starting pitchers. Right. You want to rely least as, as as least as possible on that bullpen because that bullpen right. is a dumpster fire. It's it awful.
1: Is. Right.
0: And if the Cardinals want to win, you want the starting pitchers to go out as early as possible.
1: Right. Cuz you want to get to that bullpen. Right. And that's just really going to be the key. Right. And hey, don't underestimate Anibal Sanchez. Okay. Don't laugh. The guy won 7 of his last 8 starts and seemed to have allowed only three runs in each of them, two runs in each of them, with an offense that managed to score six. So he seems to be the lucky charm. I don't think it's really uh, his, him being great or his uh, tremendous pitching abilities. I think that his, his team just gets pretty lucky every time. He's like a lucky charm for the Nationals. So I'm going to throw that in there too. Um, but, yeah, I think that the real guy to talk about, I think, on the Cardinals right now, I think is Adam Wainwright. I think that's the face of the starting rotation right now. I know Flaherty's great. But I think that you you got to look at veterans right now in this position, particularly with Adam Reinright, because that will get you places. I,
0: I can see him pulling out some of that uh, devil magic and going seven plus innings one start because it's just kind of something to happen in the divisional series too. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me the least bit.
1: Right, he's the thing is is that the guy's like 37, 38 and thirty eight, and he's just been really having a decent year. I think everybody's kind of you know been on his back the last couple of years because he hasn't quite arisen to expectations but now he's becoming that solid fifth guy that I think Cardinal fans really wanted and I think that he's coming out there and he's shown us like age is just a number man. He's pulling he's pulling the Brady except he's not quite like Brady but he's he's pulling a Brady kind of thing like hey, I'm I might be 37, 38, but you know what I can still pitch. I still earn respect in this league. I can still play and I'm still good at it. So he's a tough guy too.
0: And I I'm, I'm going to draw off a uh a, 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 take here, and I don't know if I'm gonna what kind of, what kind of response I'm gonna expect from y'all, but when I look at that Nationals team, they're in, in terms of how they've played this year, they're reminiscent of the Blues last year.
1: Completely agree.
0: They're they're they that team that was really bad until really the, the around the All Star break is when everything started changing. And the Nationals just came out and they're like, you know what? We're actually good, so we're going to start playing good. And it happened. I never thought that they were bad, though. I, ne- I, I was one of those people that said, you were sell, yelling at me to sell, sell Scherzer, sell Strasburg to a contender and rebuild. Yuck. No. I was one of them.
1: No. They had shown capabilities of greatness. And, Logan, if you want to chime in here, but I, I think that they, they've shown capabilities of greatness throughout the season. I don't think the record indicated that at all.
2: Yeah, it's more of about the Blues team that you're comparing them to because the Blues team went through a few changes, they, you know, fired their head coach, found in a new guy, and Binnington showed up and said, hey, I'm actually good at hockey, so you should put me in the game. Like, I don't know if that necessarily happened with the Nationals. I do see the parallel where they were a cellar dweller for a couple months, and all, then all of a sudden just started working their way up. But yeah, I think it's a pretty apt comparison to compare the Blues of last year to the Nationals of this year. I don't think it's going to end the way the blue season did, but I think it's an app comparison.
1: What I want to say about that point, and I want to give you credit for saying that because I think that carries some weight regardless of how we argue it. The one statement that's consistent of that and the thing that I've said in July is that this team has too much talent to be flat-out selling. There's too much talent on that Nationals team to be selling. There's too much talent to be losing. So... I'll give you credit for that. Logan had a good point in his argument there, but I'll give you credit for that. Too much talent on that team to be selling.
2: I mean, we talk about it in hindsight now, but if the talent wasn't performing, then what? if the, ta- if the, talent, the talent can be there, but if it's not performing, we were talking about that earlier, it can be a good team on paper, but you look at the Dodgers and how the Nationals beat them, if the talent's not performing, you're going to run into issues. It's
1: magic. It's magic. That's the only thing I can blame it on. All right, around the table. Predictions. This one was a
0: very very hard one for me nationals super hot right now they're a team that i'd be scared of playing against so i'm gonna try to be as unbiased as possible so i asked some some friends that are cardinal fans and i asked them what's the most unbiased opinion you can give me on the series and what i heard from majority of them is nationals in six and that's what i'm going with nationals in six games play in their first world series and they'll lose go
1: on I'm gonna say Nationals in six as well. I think because I don't know, like I can see Scherzer winning a start, and I can see, um, I can definitely see Corbin Scherzer and Strasburg winning their starts, and I think Sanchez will win his start as well. I think that there's there's a lot to be said about how that starting rotation is, and I think that if they go deep, but I think this series could go could go six.
2: I actually also see this series going seven. Apparently, I'm just higher on the Cardinal starting rotation than you guys because I'm taking the Cardinals in seven. But we'll see. It worked it worked well for me last time. I'm doing the same thing.
0: <laughs> well, you all here to hear it first. That's our predictions. We will stand by them no matter what kind of feedback we'll get. And with that, right off the break, we come back recapping Thursday night football and this week in football. You're listening to The Hot Corner on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU.FM. Looking for a fun night out in Columbia? Check out a concert at Cafe Berlin. Looking for that great brunch after a fun night? Cafe Berlin has you covered for that too. Check out their stacked concert schedule and brunch menu at CafeBerlinComo.com or check them out at 220 North 10th Street. Also, follow them on Twitter and Facebook at Cafe Berlin and on Instagram at Cafe Berlin Como. Looking for your weekly fix of Mizzou sports content? Look no further than the longest-running Mizzou sports talk show on KCOU, Salute Your Sports. Join me, Chris Mitchell, alongside James Stanley and Zach Berman, as we break down everything you need to know about Mizzou sports every Thursday at 4 p.m. Central. And if you can't tune in for the live show, you can listen to the show in podcast form every Friday
1: on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: For over 50 years, KcuU has provided Columbia with music, sports, and news coverage. You can only find right here on 88.1 FM. The only way we can continue to deliver this content is with your support. Please consider donating to KCU 88.1 FM by going online to kcu.fm. Once you're there, click on the Donate tab. You can either donate to KCU General Station Gifts Fund or the LC Chandler Scholarship Fund, which goes towards giving an out-of-state broadcast student a scholarship and to support our sports staff. The students of KCOU 88.1 FM, thank you for your support. So Thursday Night Football has come back down the earth. Another really just mediocre game, really. It was a bad game. And it was, I I, I tuned it in after the Astros-Rays game, and I I had that thought of, why am I doing this again?
1: Why am I watching this? This was not a good game. This was a bad game. I,
2: I turned it on after work, and I was on the bus actually back to my apartment when I first Turned it on. I had it on Yahoo Sports because they they let you stream those games, and I felt like the Patriots they they weren't like so much. In the, they were still seven points up, but they were just running the ball on every play. It just felt like this kind of offense that they were going to have long sustaining drives, and the Giants' defense wouldn't be able to stop them because of the Giants' defense. And that's just what the second half mostly felt like. It didn't feel like the Patriots did much. They just did what they had to do to stay ahead.
1: I think that it was more, right, Logan, I think it was more New England just trying to save their own rear, end, rear ends. I think that they were just kind of like, yeah, we're going to do enough just to win, but we're not going to do by much. And the next thing you know, it was a 21-point game on the fourth quarter. I get this update on my phone, and I love the update because as I was watching the game, it says uh, Giants hanging with Patriots in Foxborough. And it seems to be kind of funny because I feel like the Patriots kind of hang with teams for three quarters and they just blow them out in the fourth. I don't know what that is. I feel like Belichick is just like, yeah, let's just make the game watchable for three quarters. But I definitely noticed something consistent with what happened last week is that Brady was not uh, throwing the ball as much. They were really heavily relying on their run game. And I think that also there was some problems I had with the Patriots O-line that I think have been consistent in the last two weeks and considering that playing against the Redskins and Giants were uh, close games at majority of the game or or halfway through the game, I think that that could be some cause for concern if I'm a Patriots fan.
2: I want to bring up a point here. This Patriots defense has been playing incredible, and I can't overstate that enough, but I just want to read you through their schedule real quick. Week one, they had the Pittsburgh Steelers. Week two, the Miami Dolphins. Week three, the New York Jets. Week four, the Buffalo Bills week 5 the washington redskins and week 6 the new york giants is there any team maybe aside from the bills that inspires any confidence in this team at all and new england didn't even play that well against the bills i i think there's a cause for concern just cuz they've had so many cupcakes on their schedule i want to see what they play like against an actual good team and we're not going to see that cuz they play the jets on monday night next
1: week they're going to be they're going to win 12 games this year right they're going to win 12 13 games this year because First off, they're playing the NFC East, right? That's easy pickings right there. AFC I mean, that's East. Or, excuse, NFC East. They're playing the NFC oh, East you on mean, their okay. schedule. I Literally, you. they have to play Dallas, Philly, and uh, they already played Washington and New York. Two really easy teams from what it looked like. Because Dallas, we already saw what happened with them. So that's going to be easy for them. And then they already have to get to the AFC East, which is their their division, and they've dominated that consistently. So that's seven games right there. I mean, and then, you know, you got Pittsburgh, you got the North. It's just, to me, like, yeah, it angers me a little bit because it feels like year after year the Patriots have kind of a, a toss-up schedule where they they play teams and then they just happen to be having going through a rough patch. I don't think that that should say anything less about Brady, but I feel like Brady is not a shade of his 36-, 37-year-old self. I feel like we're seeing less from the Patriots than we have, and I feel like they're getting – a lot more lucky in the games that they're playing. And that's making me angry a little bit.
2: Yeah, and that running game with Sonny Michelle has not been able to get going. We saw him show out in the playoffs, and everyone was ready to claim this guy as a breakout star, myself included, coming into this season. And he just didn't produce, and he hasn't been. And you see guys like Brandon Bolden who are scoring touchdowns and guys like Rex Burkett who are scoring touchdowns. Sonny Michelle is not playing the way we expect him to in the way the Patriots expect him to taking him with the first round pick but aside from that this offense might be a little bit of a cause for concern Philip Dorsett's been out with injury that's something that's really hurting them they lost Cordero Patterson he went to free agency so aside from Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman who is Brady really throwing to I just I feel like I I I have concerns about this offense more than I have in a long time. I think if they go to the playoffs, it's going to be because this defense is able to hold teams so well, but we need to see it against an actual opponent to be sure that first. I don't
1: think Brady ever had like a key receiver to throw to. Maybe, I mean, you could make a case for Randy Moss for one year. but Wes Walker? Right. I just think that Brady has had to deal with more problems at his receiving core than most quarterbacks because they he never had that one breakout star that he'd be relying on. I think his receivers have been... Made into stars because they're playing in that Tom Brady style of offense. And that's a lot of credit to, credit to Belichick.
0: And, and, that, and that, that's why I see, personally, I see the offense really proving themselves maybe in a couple of weeks. And I think once, now granted, it's been six weeks. You, when you look at the Patriots, you expect the offense to be really, really good because, you know, it's the Patriots. And I think they'll come out probably after they're, they're done playing, uh, I believe it's, you said the Jets this week, right? Yes. Yes. They'll, they'll come out, and they'll just continue to show that Brady can throw to anyone and make them look good. And I think that's going to be what's really going to make the offense good. And I think Sonny Michel will find his stride. He'll come back to the, what we saw in the playoffs. Because it's just, a, when you look at a guy who's, who's good, that good, you expect it to come eventually. And it, it may just be a little bit of a rut right now, but mm-hmm. I can see him coming back eventually. some point this season to the form we saw in the playoffs
2: i mean it's fine to keep saying eventually eventually when you're playing these kind of teams but there is going to be a point in your schedule where you play the browns there's going to be a point where you play the ravens there's going to be a point where you play the chiefs i feel like if eventually never comes you're just you're sitting there waiting on nothing
1: i mean just just listen to the schedule real quick so they got the jets browns ravens by eagles cowboys texans chiefs Bengals, bills dolphins Tell me they're not winning fourteen games this year. At least. I mean, seriously. I, I mean, see, how is that? How? I mean, look at that schedule: Jets, Browns, Ravens, Eagles, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Dolphins.
2: I see four teams on that schedule like, 14 potentially
1: be wins them. to me. I can see them potentially losing two.
2: I see twelve and four at worst. I think the Texans, if they get hot, they can pull off a win. I think the Chiefs, obviously, are the one that everyone's going to point to. People forget the Bills played them tough. If not for that special teams touchdown, New England would not have won that game against the Bills a couple weeks ago. And then the Cowboys, who I still think are one of the best teams in the NFC, don't get me started. They're causing trouble. The Ravens too are another one on there. Dallas
1: is not that good. We saw that last week.
2: They they played the best team in the NFC. I don't know what else you want. I don't know if I. They played the best team in the NFC. It was basically could be could be the NFC championship game. Four
1: touchdowns to Aaron Jones.
2: Okay, they let, up, they let a good Green running back score four touchdowns Green against them.
1: Green Bay had problems defensively that made Dallas come back in that game. Dallas had no business coming back in that game. Also, it was because the linebacking core I had problems with in that game as well. Because if you look at how the defense had matched up versus Green Bay's receiving core, as, as well as their corners, I didn't like how... They were essentially just saying, "Okay, well, this doesn't work, so we're just going to go ahead and do this." And the guy has like 150 yards and four touchdowns. I don't How see is that adaptation? You can't. What, they couldn't adapt.
2: What hole do you see on this Dallas team? They have. They have. Prescott's been playing fine this year. He's been playing great. They have Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard in that backfield. Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup are both. Amari Cooper was good for them last year. Michael Gallup is having a breakout season. Look at that offense and tell me it's not complete. And then you look at the defense and you've got Leighton Vander Esch out there. You've got Byron Jones, Xavier Woods. They're all playing well. I don't see a hole on this Dallas team. They'll have a bad game here and there, but I really don't see a position that I'm like, this needs to be addressed immediately if I'm the Cowboys.
1: I feel like... When we saw... We had an opportunity to see Dallas play against two really good teams to see how they'd hang with them and prove themselves, right? Because they played the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. And we said, okay, they're 3-0. and And then we saw them play against the Saints... And then we saw them play against the Packers. They played
2: tough against, yeah, they, they the played against the Saints. They played good against the Saints. They played good against the Saints, but also because that
1: was with Bridgewater there. They didn't have to play against Brees. Okay, let's Okay, let's I'm going to keep this. saying that because that's the truth. Whenever what? you, you know, you don't have to play against Bridge Drew Wallace Breeze. He's not a bad quarterback. He's not, I never said he was bad, but he's not Drew Brees. Yeah, no one's Drew Breeze. You play this in the Santa. NFC Championship game. You have to be the best of the best. You're the top two team in all of football. I don't see Dallas as the second team in all of football right now I don't see it
2: let's kill this narrative that the Saints are trash with Bridgewater they're not they're They're not trash I never said they were
1: I never said that they were I but the problem was is that I have issues with the Dallas defense and I have issues with that offense I think the offense at some points while it has the tools to be very successful I'm still gonna throw in Seattle in there I think Seattle has an opportunity to be an NFC NFC competing team I think Green Bay has an opportunity to be an NFC competing team I think we're leaving out too many guys in there. I think we just keep putting Dallas at the forefront of it because nope. of how, I think, tight they've played some of these teams. But, Grand, we've seen them play two good teams, and they've lost both of those games.
2: Here's the thing with the NFC. It's super wide open. I don't think you can look at two teams and say these are the clear frontrunners, but I think Dallas has to be in that conversation. I think there's Dallas, there's Green Bay. You can even make cases for Chicago and Minnesota. Even the Lions are 2-0-1 right now. I don't see that holding up, but you can... You can continue to make those arguments. And then are the Lions are 2-1-1, one and one, I'm sorry. And then you look at teams like the Niners, who we have to throw in that conversation. The Seahawks, who we have to throw in that conversation. Pretty much the entire NFC South can be in contention. It's so wide open, but I don't think you can just count the Cowboys. I'm not
1: saying they're flat out getting in there. I'm just saying that I think they're overrated. I think America's team... You mean God's over, team? God's team, whatever we call it <laughs> on this show. I feel like... And everybody did this when they were three and zero. They said Dallas Super Bowl contenders, and I feel like we weren't talking about the teams that we really believe have a shot at being in that NFC Championship game. I feel like the the, the country, America, wants Dallas to be in the, in that NFC Championship game. But to me, realistically speaking, I don't see Dallas making it past the divisional round. All
2: right, we got to move on here. So I'm, I don't. Understand. I don't see that happening. We got to
1: move on. We're going to kill this argument.
2: What year we? expect to make the NFC Championship argument is I do expect them to make the NFC Championship and that's why
1: I'm talking about it. I think Seattle has a better chance. All right,
0: first game switching gears here. First game we're going to talk about on on the Sunday slate, Eagles and Vikings two teams that have started to show their true selves I feel like Vikings last week really showed that they can be a decent team. Now granted they played the Giants so I'll take that with a grain of salt and the Eagles they've been looking pretty good as of late honestly
1: Eagles have been very good. Um, I'm impressed with the run defense. I think that Philadelphia has a great front. I like them a lot up there. I mean, I don't like Philadelphia, but I I definitely like that run defense a lot. I think that they have a lot of guys up there that can uh, make—we saw that against Rodgers, too, and Aaron Jones. I mean, they proved a lot of, you know, in tough key situations where Rodgers was inside the five, he couldn't convert. I mean, it's just—Philadelphia's been impressive.
2: I like how the tone changes about run defenses when it's Aaron Jones against Philly versus Aaron Jones against Dallas when Aaron Jones played well in both games. But regardless, I think Green Bay's offense is very high-powered. They're not relying on Rodgers like they were before. They're missing Devontae Adams, but that hasn't been an issue. As we said, Aaron Jones has played well in the past few games. They're not relying on Rodgers to just make these, you know, magic David Blaine-like plays. They're just... They're going out there and they're playing their brand of football and it's working for them. Also, Rodgers has a defense for the first time in five years. So I think this Packers team... or we're, we're not talking about the Packers, my bad. <laughs> I think this Philly team against the Packers played very well and I think you have to keep them in, in the conversation for the NFC as well.
1: Aaron Jones did not play well against Philadelphia. He had 21 yards and one touchdown on 13 attempts. Rodgers had 422 yards. So Philadelphia's run defense... Good is phenomenal very good and they proved it against the top running back in this league and i think that um when you look at philadelphia right now i feel like they are in this conversation a two and i think that i like that front a lot i will say it again i like that front a lot and i think that they're gonna do they're gonna make some noise this year
0: and if i'm looking at the eagles i said this about the bears when it was vikings bears stopping delvin cook is the key that is the key to winning against the vikings and as if that pass defense is as good as we all say it is, they should be able to stop Delvin Cook and win. Because that is the game plan.
1: If you stop him, you will beat the Vikings. Did we not say that last week? We said it against, I said it against right. the Bears. Stop so yeah. Delvin yeah. Cook, they did, and they won. So I think that statement stays consistent. Kirk forced Kirk Cousins to pass. Nobody likes him passing. Talked his receiving core.
2: Also, I do Receiving just want to make a point like about Minnesota. I feel like we came out here last week talking about how this offense is in disarray and how maybe it was just me and I have chose the Giants as my upset, but how this offense is in disarray and Stefan Diggs wants out and, you know, Adam Thielen's not happy with Kirk Cousins. I don't know what they did the past week, but all those concerns melted away when I watched them last week against the Giants. Maybe it is the fact that it's the Giants and we'll see how they do against a good defense here, but... I think they just washed they wa they pretty much washed away any concerns. They played great against the Giants, which is not what I expected to happen when
1: you have that much drama. I'm gonna say a pun that's gonna get me banned on this show. Okay? <laughs> Don't make me mute All you. All of you. Don't Listen make to this. me mute, mute you. I, I can got mute a you. feeling. I got a feeling. Oh God. That Adam's gonna get traded with dicks.
2: Okay, Michael has been muted. Oh. <laughs> so you
0: do not need to hear him for the rest of the show. For God's sake. All right. Round the table. Vikings are a three-point favorite in this game. I'm going with the Eagles. Again, I don't do score predictions because I'm always wrong.
1: So Eagles win this game. Michael, you're up. I hate the Eagles, but I'm going to pick them in this game. I like um, I like the run defense a lot, and I think forcing Kirk Cousins to pass is going to be a fun day for them, so enjoy it while it lasts. It's going to be awesome for their uh, defense.
2: I think you can force Kirk Cousins to pass, but if you don't have the secondary, that's why the Bears played so well when they forced Kirk Cousins to pass. They have the secondary. I don't know if the Eagles do. Their secondary's banged up. I'm a little worried, even if they do stop Delvin Cook, that Kirk Cousins will be able to make some noise with the corners and safeties that the Eagles have back there. They're basically on their last ones. They're just beat up. So I'm going to take the Giants in this one. I'm going with Vegas. You mean Vegas? I'm picking with the line in Vegas. You said Vikings are three point favorites. Yes. I'm going with Vegas. I'm picking the
0: line. How? I'm picking the favorite. <laughs> uh, you mean okay? All right. You, you confused me because you said you am picking the Giants. I got really confused. Oh no, I
2: said I'm go. Oh, did I say the Giants? Yes. I meant the Vikings. I'm going with Vegas. I'm taking the favorite.
0: All right, we gotta got go through these next two games fairly quickly here. Niners versus Rams. I was a huge doubter of the Niners this year. For a while I didn't see Garoppolo as being that great of a quarterback cuz so I just saw I I didn't see enough from him. And what I've seen as of late, especially in the game last week against the Browns, he's turning out to be a pretty decent quarterback.
2: Yeah, and Garoppolo, that team
0: is turning out to be a pretty decent team.
2: Yeah, Garoppolo hasn't had to do much this season, given the circumstances, but this 49ers defense looks phenomenal. Robert Sala has been able to make some magic with Quan Alexander, D. Ford, Nick Bosa. They've all looked great. And if I'm an opposing quarterback, I am scared of this 49ers front because if you, you see what it did to Baker Mayfield, granted the Browns line had, hasn't been great this year, but you see what they've done to opposing quarterbacks, and you look at that and say, that's something that scares me quite a bit. I'm very afraid of the 49ers.
1: I am even more afraid of the 49ers because the Redskins, after playing against the Dolphins, will have to play against San Francisco. Tank, bolt, tank, bolt, tank. Okay, bolt. enough on that. Um, <laughs> we spent uh, 20 extra seconds on that more than I wanted to. But <laughs> I just <laughs> I wanted to say that... <laughs> San Francisco, I think has been that team where I, you know, we kind of, I mean, just because we, we've had friend that shall not be named, uh, has been a huge San Francisco fan and and we love him and we hate him at the same time, but I'll give him credit where credit is due. They've been great this year. And the defense has been great too. And, they're looking like a great team Hold this year.
2: On. We can name him on this show. He's part of the station. Brandon Anthony, Breakfast of Champions, Wednesday mornings, 8 to 9 a.m. Go ahead and check it out. <laughs> that's a plug. That's, that's a plug for our, our good friend Brandon. No, we, but... we,
0: we expect one in return, Brandon, if you're listening. Yes, Brandon. I'm, I'm
2: sure Brandon. he is. I'm sure he's awake at 8 in the morning on a Friday.
0: Yes.
1: Anyway, I'll, I'll Brandon, if you're out there listening, I'll give you guys credit. Um, played very good this year, and you've deserved the uh, media attention. So, yeah. The Rams... Need to
0: find an identity, as McVeigh has said. "Quote: We're looking for that identity that we had last year. That team is a little. I don't. I, I want to say inconsistent is like a good word to describe the Rams this year. I'd say
2: inconsistent is a good word. I don't know if inconsistent Inconsi- is a word.
0: <laughs> Not consistent. <laughs> I get. Is the
2: I get. Point I get, we're trying to get
0: beyond, beyond everything with my grammar.
2: Your host. We just. We got to do it to you. <laughs> yes. But I feel like that's a good point that McVeigh made. Obviously, he's a good coach, but um, Todd Gurley has not been the guy that they want him to be. Daryl Henderson, the guy they drafted in the third round, has barely played at all, and Malcolm Brown has looked all right. But they really, the offense funneled through the running game last year, and now that they don't have that, that Gurley is struggling. They're being forced to pass, and Cooper Cup has looked great these past few games. He's been he's been taking all the targets. He's been getting all the all the receptions and all the yards, but they still need to find a way to score points. Cooper Cup it can get them down the field, but if they can't score, then what? And this offense is too inconsistent week to week to be one that I'm super
1: confident in moving forward. I want to give Logan credit for something here that he said to me two nights ago. I think the Bears broke the Rams. He said that, not me, and I agree with him. The okay. Bears broke the Rams. I don't
2: mean to pull back the curtain a little bit, but you were it's arguing over. that
1: point a lot with right. me. The fact I was that it arguing didn't with happen. you, but and then I had, on. I had to come to reality moment, and I, I appreciate him teaching me about this, because it was a fact. They have not been the same.
2: I would teach our listeners if we had more time, but we got to pick these next two
1: games. Preach, Logan.
0: Rams favored by three. This game, I feel is a pick 'em game, in my opinion. And I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm
1: probably going to regret this decision immensely, but I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm going to go with the Niners. Niners are a better team, and I like them better, but the guy I think- that...
2: I think after the way they played against the Browns, I'd be hard-pressed not to choose the 49ers. I look at the way the Rams played against the Bucks. If I th- I think the 49ers are a better team than the Buccaneers, so transitive property would have me picking San Francisco to beat the Rams.
0: All right, we got one more game for a door upset pick. This one's going to be pretty fast. Texans and Chiefs. Chiefs Chiefs had had that. <laughs> English not good. Chiefs received their first L of the season last week to the Colts in a great Sunday Night Football <laughs> game that I watched. Probably the first Sunday Night Football game I've watched in a long time. And that team they need a bounce back week. And if any week's a bounce back week, it's this one. Now the Texans are a hard
1: opponent. Yeah, keep, you can keep laughing at me. Uh, it's alright. It's it's, I, I feel like it's I've been worse this morning than you have. It's a hard job. You've been, you haven't been giving yourself enough credit. I've been worse than you have this morning. Alright, very quickly Give your points right now. Go. Chiefs win this game. Enough said. I, I, I love Houston, but Chiefs, I can't go against Patrick Houston, Mahomes. I Houston's,
2: never can. Houston's been a weirdly fun team for me to watch this year. They're like they're not flashy, but they're good. I don't think they have the firepower to beat KC, but I do like that they are um they're competitive and they're a good team, but I think the Chiefs ultimately won this one.
0: Chiefs are four and a half point favorites. I think the Chiefs bounce back. They, they put that, that fat L against the Colts behind them, and they come back and say, you know what? It's time to play like like the Chiefs do, and we're going to win by, like, 30.
1: Don't underestimate Jacoby Brissett. I don't want to start another conversation here, but I'm
0: not, I'm give not the Colts credit. I, I'm giving the Colts credit. They're a great credit. team, Their defense is
1: insane. Everybody said they weren't going to be, but they're fun. And you know what? I also think that the Chiefs kind of – everybody's got to have that fluke game, the game where that they were supposed to win but didn't. I think this is going to be a bounce back for them. They were embarrassed – um sunday night and you know what they're gonna be like you know what man we got to come back out there we got to prove ourselves to everybody we are the best team in the afc and that's us not the patriots so i think they win this game i think they prove themselves i think they they show a lot of firepower here all right
0: upset picks mine i'll try to sound as unbiased as possible lions over packers
2: I don't I don't know how I feel. Okay. About I'm not buying what the Lions are selling. They had a best case scenario game against the bad KC defense. I don't see it.
0: They played good with the Chiefs. And they, the Chiefs, in my opinion, are better than the Packers.
2: And not on defense. By and a long shot, not on defense.
0: I think that the Lions have the possibility of pulling an upset. So I'm as, part of me is ho- rooting against the Packers, but I, this Lions team is is good.
2: I can't I can't, buy, I can't I can't buy the I can't buy the Lions.
1: Lions over just Packers. Can't. Michael, you're up. First off, I just want to make a clear statement here. With the Chiefs, like we all kind of thought that their defense was going to go from worst to first this year. That hasn't happened. Adding Spagnolo I thought would do something here. But yeah, I mean, again, I've I i do not agree with that upset pick here, Patrick. I really don't, but I could, see, upset. I could see other scenarios to that, definitely, because it's the Packers. But I think my upset, I'd feel more safe here picking, um, essentially, a team here where I could see Arizona beating Atlanta. That's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that one. Yeah. Or the Jets beating Dallas. But I, I felt more safe picking Arizona over Atlanta.
2: I'm going Sunday Night Football. Chargers are six and a half point favorites against the Steelers. I'm taking Pittsburgh to win that game. I think Mason Rudolph has been able, has shown that he's actually able to move the offense. Now, will he be back for that game? That's the question. They got someone, Devlin Hodges, starting a quarterback. But I think if Mason Rudolph can move it, perhaps Devlin Hodges could do it. He also kept them in that game last week towards the end. So I have faith that the Steelers can get this done against the Chargers team who has vastly underperformed expectations and is also beat
0: up with injuries. All right, we're going to have to break. We come back, a very short segment on Mizzou football, because homecoming, you're listening to Hot Corner on KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM.
1: A ranger station.
2: I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire, and Smokey Bear hugged me.
1: So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com.
2: Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester.
0: Don't forget, every Saturday this fall is a KCU Sports Saturday. Listen to your favorite KCU Sports shows every Saturday all day long. Catch Snow Huddle, Mizzou Football, Basketball, and more every Saturday. It's not just a Saturday. It's a KCU sports Saturday. It's the greatest week of the year. If you're a Mizzou fan, it's homecoming Mizzou Tigers taking on old miss. I feel good. I I feel like this is going to be a good game and it's going to be a very short segment. This is our (laughs) four minutes of Mizzou football talk fire away guys. It's going to be fast.
2: The sec has been kind of a weak conference this year. So I think the it's, something to look at with Ole Miss underperforming. There are some quarterback injuries that are making this conference a little worse, but I think Mizzou, if they keep playing the way they are, granted Kilgarrett's out for the season, it's going to be an uphill battle on defense, but if they keep playing the way they have been playing, they can make a case for that second spot in the SEC East.
1: Yeah, I think that the SEC has been very, very, very disappointing for me because Southeastern Conference, you expect that to be the best division in football it has not been um, I like Missouri's chances, though. I mean, I think Missouri's really battling it out for that second spot, and I think I like their chances a lot with the schedule that they've got, um, although that could be a detriment depending upon how the AP pill looks at it and the coach's pull looks at it. I think that they could be good contenders with Georgia here, but, I mean, I think Kelly Bryant's got to prove himself versus Ole Miss. I mean, this is the game right now where he has that opportunity. And you had the season-ending injury. And, as well.
0: and I, I think I think this game is going to come down to how good Kelly Bryant can play with the knee injury, right? That's going to, and how the defense can bounce back from losing Cale Garrett.
2: Yeah, I think Kelly Bryant might even be a um, a bigger issue there because you look at what the main part of Kelly's game is, and it's using his legs to move the ball down the field. When he doesn't have that, he has a knee brace on now. It's going to limit him quite a bit in the run game, and I'm sure Odom and Dooley would want to limit him in the run game because they don't want that flaring up. So it's going to be something that's interesting to see. They're going to have to rely on him to stay in the pocket and deliver strikes. The receivers need to get open. It's going to be more of a conventional offense.
0: So, Old Miss, 12.5 point dog in this game. Pick the score because this is something we're actually going to do for this. I'm going to pick the score. Mizzou's going to win 35-10. Hmm, to 10.
1: Yeah, I feel confident in that. I'm going to say 41-21, Mizzou.
0: I'm
2: going with a closer game than both of you. I just think there's going to be some struggles without Kale Garrett on defense with Kelly Bryant and his knee brace. I'm not as confident. I still think Mizzou wins, but I think it's a closer game. I'm taking 31-21.
0: All right, we're going to have the break. We come back the final word. You're listening to Hot Corner on KCU 80.1 FM and KCU.FM. KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho,
1: for supporting KCOU sports.
0: Final word. As you know, it's our favorite segment to do on this show. And I always go first. I pick weird things. It's my favorite thing to do. Weird competition, weird events, anything in sports, or in this case, out of sports. But I'm going to talk about that in just a bit. So we've heard some weird stories and some weird competitions on this show. And I know I keep repeating myself, but I feel like this is one of the weirdest ones I've ever talked about. It isn't exactly a sporting competition, but I feel the strangeness of this is worth mentioning. We all know and love the March Madness. We all did a bracket last year. Remember that crazy show we did when we talked about every division in the in the tournament? It's fun. It's a lot of fun to make brackets. That now, a good March. And what if I told you there's a March Madness for finding out who the fattest bear is? In what region? Well in Alaska, and there is one, and it's called Fat Bear Week. It has gone on for the past five years and it honors the bear that eats the most and gains the most weight for hibernation. They do this by monitoring thousands of bears, using trail cams, cameras, and using all kinds of different pictures to see how much weight they do gain throughout the, the summer for hibernation. So last year's champ disappeared, so we don't know if she died, moved to a different area, but she wasn't there to defend her title this year. So it left the competition wide open. And the tournament ran from Wednesday, last Wednesday, to Tuesday of the week. And the championship round was between number 775, Lefty, and number 435, Holly. And after a well fought match, Holly came out on top with 17,500 votes, while Lefty had 3,600. So congrats, Holly. We hope you have a wonderful hibernation and enjoy your victory, and hopefully come back to defend your title next year.
2: A quick round of applause from the hot
1: corner for Holly. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Um, so, as we all know, I do the um, here my hero of the week, and this story is going to be pretty interesting because I feel like I needed to up the ante on my stories here, and this one was is pretty special. I want you guys to listen here. Um, we all know that the Panthers are going head-to-head against the Bucks in London this week, right? Because big NFC South matchup. But for one player, defensive end uh, Eve Obata, if I can pronounce that correctly, um, is making a homecoming here in London. And his story reads like a, a Hollywood script according to ABC 11 Eyewitness News. It says here, Obata was born in Nigeria and then trafficked and abandoned in London. He was in and out of the foster system with many odds stacked against him until he started playing football at 22 years old in 2014. Quote, It, changed, it can change the path for some of these students, Obata said, he played with students from the Harrow School, Harrow High, and, and the Harrow Club. The team ran drills and played flag football with the students through an NFL flag event to expose the sport to young people abroad. For a player like Obata, it's the same type of exposure that changed the trajectory of his life. Usually people respond to my story, Obata said. It's London. It's my home. I'm just trying to be in the moment and enjoy it. Good luck, young man. Congratulations. We're all very proud of you here at the Hot Corner, and we're all rooting for you. Great story there.
2: You love to see those stories that can that changes a person's life. One thing, one moment can change someone's life. But as you guys know, I like to send you off with a feel-good story, make you feel a little warm and fuzzy. This one's a shorter one but it comes to you from the great city of Aurora, Indiana. And there was a football game between two high schools, South Dearborn High School and East Central High School. And a South Dearborn player faked a pregame injury. And as you know, both athletic trainers come onto the field to tend to this player. South Dearborn's athletic trainer, Kyler Hendricks, is dating East Central's athletic trainer, Sam Cliff. And he had this player... Fake a pregame injury so that he could propose to his girlfriend, Cliff. And there's a video of this that's been circulating around. I will post it to her Twitter, at Hot Corner Sports. And for anyone asking, she said yes.
1: Oh, fantastic. That's- I'm in a great mood now. I don't know if you're actually sounding sarcastic. No, I, that or no. energized me but that, but that's, that,
0: that's, that's so cute. much. It is a great story. That's awesome. I really
1: love it. That's awesome. I'm glad she said yes, too. You got to get that part down, too.
0: And with that, that is the end of another episode of The Hot Corner. Make sure to follow us on our social media page at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick Carrion, Michael Emami at Emami Michael, and Logan at The Logan Franz. Also, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcast services under the name The Hot Corner. We hope you have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend. We will see you next week. Same place, same time. This has been The Hot Corner. Signing off.